You are tuned in to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming on the web at KBOO.FM. Tune in to Pathways, a show featuring conversations with leaders in personal development and cultural evolution. Join me, host Paul O'Brien, or my co-host Donald Altman every Sunday morning from 8.30 to 9 a.m. You can find out more about the show or listen to the program archive at kboo.fm slash pathways. Welcome to the Talking Earth. You're listening to KBO Portland, 90.7 near FM dial. My name is Patrick Bocard. I'm the host and board op of Talking Earth, occasional host. Uh, I happen to be fortunate enough to be in the uh, internet, the ethereal internet right now with uh, Chris Toby and Kevin Samsel, two of Portland's best poets and uh, also a collage artist as well. We'll tell you about that in a minute. Chris Toby's work has appeared in the Minnesota Review, Rattle, New Ohio Review, Plowshares, Smartish Pace, and the Cincinnati Review. Please correct me if I've gotten anything wrong, Chris. Uh, her poetry has been nominated for the Pushcart, Best of the Net, and featured in Verse Daily. Her imaginary goat has not been. A Woman is a Woman is a Woman was published in 2017 from Steel Toll Books. She lives in Portland with her rock star, Lady Love, and of course, her imaginary goat. She is also teaching creative writing workshops for PCC. And if you wish to know more, visit her website, ChrisToby.com, I believe. Uh, and you will be able, you'll have links to sign up for our workshops as well as see some of her newer poetry and uh, where it's been published. That's all true, Chris, right? Uh, which parts? Uh, most of it. It's absolutely all true. And I'm sorry that uh, you may hear my imaginary goat scream during this. Okay, that's totally fine. You may have a, my Siamese cat might decide to start howling at some point. <laughs> he does that. Kevin may start howling at some point. Uh, I, yeah, it might set him off. We'll see. <laughs> Kevin Samsel is the publisher of Future Tense Books since 1990, is the head of, has been the head of the small press section at Powell since 1998. His short fiction has been published in Lit Hobarty Magazine. Excuse me, I probably botched that, right, Kevin? It's Hobart Magazine, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, Opium Magazine, the McSweeney's website, among others. Uh, he does host or did host collage art nights at the Independent Publishing Resource Center, although you may not be involved with that anymore. Is that? Uh, yeah, I don't host it anymore. Um, and it did recently come back, so they are doing it once a month there. And then... Uh, you have published Creamy Bullets, a collection of short stories, a common pornography, a memoir. This is between us, a novel. And your most recent book is I Made an Accident, which is a collection of mostly collages and it's some, a few poems. And you've been working on your collage art lately. And now I think we need to get to the rock star. <laughs> can either read poetry or perhaps we want to talk a little bit about a uh, where people can go actually uh, do collage if the IPRC is still doing it. Yeah, they do it uh, once a month. I'm not sure what nights they do it. I I don't, I work at night at Powell's most of the time, so I don't really um, get to go there for their collage night now, but um, it is really cool. And I know a lot of people that go to it. Um, that's a really great place to go. I also, coordinate other collage um, events uh, around town occasionally um, and people can find out about that by I guess following me on social medias um, but also there's a group a local group of collage artists that is on Instagram called the Pacific Northwest Collage Collective and um, it's run by two people here in Portland um, I'm part of that collective too. And uh, they have an Instagram page and they promote a lot of Northwest collage artists and happenings. And um, and uh, that's a good place to keep up with local 
collage um, making events or even just collage um, uh, shows and stuff. Oh. So do we want to talk about uh, how COVID, how the, the uh, lockdown affected our poetry as we were talking before when the imaginary goat stepped on my computer <laughs> and made some mistakes that I don't want to admit? <laughs> you have an imaginary goat too? Uh, the, the imaginary goats go everywhere. <laughs> so I used to work in a record store. The, the metal bands are all about the goats. <laughs> yeah, just uh, so the audience knows, we already re uh, we thought we had been recording this show, and, and we and the show was going great, and it was like three hours long. And then Patrick realized he had not recorded the three hour long special episode of talking earth so um yeah I, so I, yes he's he's gonna buy us dinner and we're re-recording the show right now so that's what i'll that's what <laughs> that's where we stand inside jokes about the invisible goat is uh about is, is <laughs> my trying to uh i not get blamed for my mistakes but uh, okay. it actually wasn't three hours it was like 10 minutes still it's three hours. It's there with the imaginary goat. But uh, do we, Chris? Do you, would you like to read a poem? Uh, sure. Uh, okay. You know, the interesting thing is this is so interesting, everyone. In the year two thousand seventeen, when my book was published, I didn't. I could read my poems from my book without reading glasses. But now in the year 2023, I can't. I need reading glasses. I also just need glasses in general. It happens. Can anyone else relate to that? I totally can. I can't, uh, my, I can't drive without glasses now. Not, I, although some people would say I couldn't drive with them either, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, <clears throat> I'll read Narwhals. When I was 10, my mother sat me down and told me my real father was a narwhal. My report cards always read daydreams too much. What my teachers did not know is that I was busy dreaming about eating a grilled cheese sandwich with a narwhal or how all 4,000 pounds of my narwhal father was going to sit on the kids who threw rocks the size of houses at my head, how he was going to stick his overgrown tooth in Robbie's eye for stealing carved pumpkins from my back porch, how he was going to submerge like a submarine when large Lisa Dooley challenged me to meet her behind the janitor's tool shed my mother thought I was slow, which was fine because I loved Pee Wee Herman. Doctors looked inside my head, but all they could ever see were narwhals fencing with their tusks off the coast of Russia or catching some cod. And that's from the section of the book of uh, Marie Antoinette Dreams of Narwhals. Yeah. Yeah, so um, each section uh, kind of imagines a different, the first is Marie Antoinette, and I think, you know, it's funny because I've written so much since this, I don't even remember what I was thinking sometimes yes. when I wrote Catherine it. Catherine the Great. Yeah, Catherine the Great, and then Cleopatra. Uh, Ms. Bovary. Yeah, yeah Madame Bovary, yeah. So I thought when I was writing this and putting it together, um, you know, uh, we have a long history, a very long history of men writing uh, women's history. And oftentimes that is highly inaccurate. And I had been reading a lot of books by scholars about uh, Catherine the Great, Marie Antoinette, Cleopatra. And then, you know, I had reread Madame Bovary and I was just pretty tired of uh, men's portrayal of women or the inaccurate history written. Uh, so I was interested in that when writing this, this book. Um, 
And also there was a biography written about Sylvia Plath in the 70s where I referenced this at the end. Yeah, of the you book. referenced it at the back. Yes. Yeah, where, uh, where the biographer called, so referred to Sylvia Plath as a bitch goddess. Um, I forget how many times, but throughout the biography. So in the book, I, I take on this persona of the bitch goddess. Um, kind of slap those silly boys around. It's the bitch goddess throughout. <laughs> <laughs> silly boys of history oh you silly boys <laughs> yeah it was I, I didn't quite get well okay I got the the, the reference of Plath being insulted by her bi biographer which is that much I mean I mean don't you think she suffered enough already yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really get and you were taking on these personas and they were taking over the book at some point, actually, because you have a poem. What is it? My alter egos ran off with this poem. Yeah. But I didn't really, feel, I felt like a lot of it was about men behaving badly more than anything. <laughs> I mean, there, there was like a poem about your father. There was like another one about, there were several about people, guys being, what was it? Uh, there's there's one that the title's not as uh, nice, but the for the guy who unfriended me on Facebook after I got married. Yeah, yeah I have to write a follow up um, for that one because that was years ago, and after I got divorced, he promptly refunded me. Are you serious? Yes. So. So <laughs> I definitely need a part two to that poem for the guy who refriended me on Facebook after I got divorced. Did you push him away? Just kidding. Actually, I don't need to know that. Never mind. I accepted the friend request. Okay. I'm just like, why would... I don't, I don't know. I'm just... I don't think this human knows he is, you know, the, the inspiration for this poem. Oh, yeah, does he know? I have no idea. Okay. Well, you know what? It's fair play for men to be muses. <laughs> women have been muses what? long enough. Yeah, women yeah, have you know, long even enough. If, even if they're just like the, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, do you have an opinion, Chris, on like when you write a poem about somebody and i mean there's 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 concerns uh in a similar way with memoir but like when you write a poem about somebody do you feel like you you should tell them or like show it to them or do you just sort of like like oh if they see it then they see it and if they know that it's about them they'll know it's about them well i think for for the what was the for the guy who unfriended me on facebook after i got married that's about something so much larger that's actually it was just an interesting impetus for the poem there's no details about that human other than the title yeah, um, and the fact that he actually did that and that he unfriended me, but that's yeah. it. And it goes into, you know, it asks the larger question. It goes into details about many other things from what I remember, where the larger question I was interested in was how we, you know, how disconnected we are because of social media. And, um, you know, how I think in it, I'm really going through the history of like, you know, my grandma and grandpa getting divorced and sending each other flowers and <clears throat> how we yeah. used to do with this so many other ways. So it, for me, that wasn't, I wasn't interested in that human per se. I was interested in the idea of how we're treating each other because of the interweb and social media. So yeah. that one I, you know, I wasn't concerned about, but sometimes I am, you know, I think that's a really, it's a fine line. And I've definitely um, cut poems out of this book and other manuscripts I've written because I don't ever want to hurt anyone's feelings um, or, um, you know, some things are just better left 
unsaid or taken out, especially because we've been going through a hard time, maybe until those people are no longer on this earth. But don't you think that's part of the um, part of the deal? Like when people enter your life, especially in a relationship kind of thing, like they know that they're getting involved with a poet. Well, yeah, they have to, they have to know that well, gonna. It's like a beware. You should just have like a necklace that says "Beware, Poet." Yes, I I always tell people, and, and, and that's interesting because I, I feel like I've been pushing those boundaries more lately. I have a series of poems where I've been playing around with uh, making them really conversational, and uh, they're, every title, I have about six or seven of them, has the name of my rock star, Lady Love, in them. Okay. Um, and throughout it, we're having conversations. It's kind of like Frank O'Hara, really conversational. And, um, you know, and I check with her. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Just too personal. But they all have a larger theme. Um, it's not really, you know, it's not really about her, um, even though I love her and adore her. Um, it's about something much larger. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I always tell people, don't don't date a poet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, though, it's not always negative. You know, it can be a pause. It can be like a positive poem about somebody, but you might feel weird. For example, there's a poem in my latest book, I Made an Accident, um, amidst all the collages. There's a poem in there. Um, that I wrote sort of as a tribute to my um, my hairdresser, my hair stylist woman who I used to um, go to for my haircut for like years until she moved away recently. Um, and uh, I never really like felt, I always felt like, oh, I, I didn't want to mention it to her because I thought it might like freak her out that she's yeah. the subject of this poem or whatever, but she's not really the subject of the poem. It's about her telling me that I should do this thing with my hair. And like, and then this, the you know, that that nice feeling of like when you're getting your hair cut and someone is like taking a lot of time and touching your head and like, you know, trimming your hair and making you look better. And um, and so it was kind of about about that. And and then I, you know, I mentioned in the poem that I see a picture of, of her and her husband on her little, little workstation and and i i feel this this uh this feeling of like oh he's like a lucky man like you know and um but i never have like even though i went to get my haircut with her for years i never mentioned to her that i have this poem that that you know that she appears in like you know yeah and i think something i want to say is when i I I write I view poetry as storytelling because that is that's how it started and that's very much how I see it. So, you know, I think I was once reading and I can't remember who said this, but they said poetry is not truth. It was someone I forget who. But they said poetry is not truth. Uh if I wanted to write truth, I'd write memoir and I'd make a lot more money. So, I mean, for me it, it's not it's storytelling so um it's not necessarily always truth so i might have a something interesting to add in that uh maybe when i was in my 20s i did include people in my poems and it was not always a good idea and i've kind of uh i try to be more careful with that but what's what's happened to me occasionally uh, happened twice is that once I, I wrote this bizarre science fictional poem and my partner at the time was really mad at me because she thought I wrote about her <laughs> and it wasn't, I don't know what, I mean, she, she, I don't know what that was. And then I wrote this other poem called squid girl and everyone was asking me who it was about. And I was like, this is about the fact that you can't have a pet squid because you need more water to put them in. And I just projected that into a relationship thing or something. I, people will imagine there's stuff there when there isn't. 
Yes. Yeah. Or it's not intentional. I mean, I uh, I don't know who Squid Girl's about. I'm, who knows? Probably haven't met her yet. <laughs> Whatever. I I once uh, yeah. This actually makes me think about how once I had really briefly dated someone, and a a poem was published um, in a magazine that published it online, and but you couldn't read the poem unless you bought the magazine. And the person later was embarrassed to tell me that they bought the magazine because they misread a word in the title as their name. And so they were excited because they thought the poem was about them, but the poem was about a cow. (laughs) (laughs) What's it called? What's the title? Um, Moo. Moo. Oh wow! Okay. Think Moo? So, is that the title of it? Yeah, I think Moo. And they did, they they misread the title. They thought it said like. Well, I don't <laughs> want to give too much away. <laughs> I don't I'm going to say their name, but they misread it. They misread it. Yes. Was it Elmo? <laughs> it's Elmo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, that can be fun. You know, it can be a lot of a lot of lot of fun. You know, I I I definitely have avoided. I'm afraid of the humans who write memoir. I'm afraid of you, Kevin. (laughs) Common pornography. Uh, I'm trying to think if I. I don't think I've written anything about you, Chris. Um, I mean, we've known, we've only known each other for about six years, so um, you know, it could there could be something in the future. I did write that one short story though, where I based the character sort of loosely on on you and your your like badassery. Yeah, well, I, I appreciated that uh, interpretation of my badassery. <laughs> because the it was like a woman, um, it's a story called What's Inside a Blimp. And it's uh, it was published by Southwest uh, Review a couple of years ago. And um, it's one of my favorite stories I've written, actually. Um, and it's um, about these two young boys and they their grandfather has a blimp that um, he likes to fly around and then he kind of gets upstaged by this like woman who has a Cessna and she starts flying around the town and she's like a divorced poet and like that character was based on Chris. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you know what I love though, Kevin is a prolific writer and writes in all of these different genres, which always inspires me to write in other genres other than poetry. And I think I just gave you some prompt that as a narcissist had to do with me. And you just like ran with it and wrote it in a week or something. Oh, I think, yeah, I think you did maybe kind of suggest something to me. I don't, I think it probably took longer than a week because it's kind of a longer story, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Wrote it in a day. (laughs) <laughs> I wrote it in one hour. You <laughs> <laughs> wrote it in 20 never, seconds. <laughs> have you ever done this thing? Um, uh, when I was like writing poetry a lot, like especially like when I moved to Portland, I moved to Portland in 92. And I started going to the open mic stuff and, you know, um, and I, I, always, I always thought it was funny when people would introduce their poem by, you know, like, oh, I wrote this today, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's totally nothing wrong with that, but it's like, it's so funny that like, I think I did one reading where I was, I think I was like the featured reader and I saw so I read like, you know, 10 poems. And before every poem I said, I wrote this one today. <laughs> it was like, I wrote like, but then I actually started to think about it. Like, wouldn't that be cool? As like a weird like challenge to yourself to try to write, um, like a poem every hour of like a day. Like just like have like a 24 hour period where you write a poem every hour and have like a 24 poem chat book that came out, like all these poems were written in one day. I think you could do it, Patrick. That would be cool if you had a benefactor funding you and you didn't have to work. 
and you had a lot of coffee. Or... Well, if you only do it, if it's only one day, oh, yeah. you need a vacation. You just need a little bit of a vacation. If you're trying to do it for, if you're trying to do it repeatedly, well, you're going to end up on meth and out on the streets and it's just going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but crazy. like, uh, but yeah, like you can try, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 50. I'm in my fifties and I could have, I could have done that. I might've even have done that, but they'd all be terrible back. Like when I, back when I first met you back then, I was probably one of the ones that said, I wrote this today. Yeah. <laughs> I finished this 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I just wrote this while listening to the other people before me in the open mic. <laughs> there, there was somebody who actually would do that. They would actually yeah. listen to everyone and make references to all their things and go up and just improvise and read. Yeah, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, he didn't record it, but he was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I had, like, this poem about a uh, – it was about my cat knocking Tolstoy from the unreadable perch. And he responded, was like, Tolstoy, unreadable? I've been trying to translate uh, translate Finnegan's Wake, Wake into English for, for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess that sounded better back yeah. then. I guess I don't know, but but yeah, no, it's a, a it's a risk actually. Yeah, of, uh, in terms of like putting people in your work mm-hmm. and, and where it comes from. Wallace Stevens got away with it by just writing so obliquely, people didn't know what he was writing about. Because <laughs> I think yeah, one he of his writing about other people, he did. One of his poems, I think the idea of order at Key West is is about his mistress. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not completely sure. I mean, I heard someone told this to me a while ago and reading rereading it, it seems like it might be. And yeah, he didn't want anyone to know. So <laughs> I love oh. I love how Emily Dickinson wrote Tell the Truth, but Tell It Slant. I think that for me that gives me a lot more freedom you know, to write about an ex, but they are a Sasquatch. Oh, so that's what that poem's about, huh? <laughs> no, that's actually not what that's about, but <laughs> that's about longing for romantic love that never seems to happen, and I'm realizing I'm getting older, and this is all a bunch of BS I've been fed. <laughs> Probably, Yeah. I mean, yeah, Sas- Sasquatch, you know, he's not real. He's not ever going to show up and leave a rose next year. Or she. Why am I? I'm, I'm a hetero guy. Of course, I'm opposing the uh, the maleness on Sasquatch. You know? Why Why would Sasquatch be a he? I mean, that makes no sense at all. But we-, we usually do gender the Sasquatch. Yeah. As a male. Do you, do you want to read the Sasquatch poem? Or do we just want to talk about it? It's fine either way. People should buy your, a, Chris Toby's book, A Woman is a Woman is a Woman, is a woman. It's four of them, right, isn't it? I got it wrong in the beginning. People should go buy them. Buy this book. And you will read poems about Sasquatch and Marie Antoinette. And yeah. uh, taking care. Where do you take care to? the moon but that's one place yes <laughs> where the woman in the in the poem decided do you want me to read the sasquatch poem sure if you want i mean i, I want you to read poems but what you want to read it's funny because i really haven't read i haven't read much from this book be, you know because of covid too um and i'm I've written, I think, you know, maybe you've experienced this. You write so much after a book comes out. And and this these poems, I'm 45, and this was accepted for publication when I was 38. And the poems I had written in here were from my 20s and early 30s. Oh, okay. Feel, yeah. You know, it's it's like, oh, that. that a was little a bit of delay. Yeah. <laughs> That was a while ago. Um, But I'll read. uh, Since you have not responded to my previous attempts to contact you. Dear Sasquatch, 
I know there are people obsessed with their headlamps and tents. And yes, I watched Harry and the Hendersons as a kid, but I've felt you in the morning fog as my car door creaks open in the branches brushing along my skin, the scattering of leaves, and the tapping on my window as my ex snored me to sleep. Sasquatch, my heart drops whenever I see a dead deer. I don't care if you cut your hair into a mullet or shed all over the couch. I'll buy a California king. I really don't take up that much room. But I'm no longer of the age when hope gave me a headache like new paint. So Sasquatch, this is my last attempt. I will leave the deadbolt unlocked and a brush by the side of the bed. I didn't get what it was about at the beginning. I didn't get that it was uh, this hope for, I mean, I got a little bit of the, the romantic thing going, but like, I didn't quite get that. And you mentioned your ex snoring. So, so there's an ex snoring. Went over my head. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's interesting about poetry, though. For me, I always am fascinating by, fascinated by people's interpretations. Once something is out in the world, I just think it's cool that people are reading it. I, I, I don't have, I, in my mind, there's not one interpretation of it at all. And so it's always so interesting to me how we all have different interpretations. And some of it's like juxtaposing uh, Sasquatch and romance. Little you romance know, with the like Sasquatch. That. What? Little romance with the Sasquatch. Yes. I mean, it's it's kind of like a collage in a way. I, that, that is kind of a connection between collage and poetry is that you're juxtaposing images that do not always seem like they should go together, but you try to make them fit. Yeah, that's the best part of it, of, uh, you know, of uh, poetry and collages, blending things that are unexpected and uh, maybe give people a different way of looking at something. Well, my uh, mentor, whom is like a, a father figure to me now, Richard Garcia, an amazing poet. If you have not checked out Richard Garcia's work, humans, you should. He always said and still says, uh, imagination plus experience equals poetry. And that's something I like to abide by. And I think that goes hand in hand with uh, Emily Dickinson's uh tell the truth, but tell it slant. So I'm very interested in the space for imagination in poetry and fiction. Yeah, no, I think that's a big thing with art is like, you, like imagining it. You're not, and one of the other things, I guess, is like with collage, you're using things that have already been made, but you're cutting them apart and putting them together. And a lot of people don't realize that that's what a lot of art has been through the ages. I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, Canterbury, Canterbury Tales is like 70% uh, the Cameron. There's like a lot of co connections between them. And, and there's a lot of the Shakespeare plays where he took something that already existed and he changed the plot slightly or, you know, improved. I mean, that's a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of like music as well. Just, you know, and then, then, then there's Led Zeppelin and we'll not talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I I mean, we can play a fun game. I can read you a fun somewhat newer poem and you can tell me what do you think is true and what do you think could be imagination? Okay. Are you game, Kevin? Yeah. Are you sure. game? Okay. She asks me, who is Roger? I could tell her about my yoga teacher, Roger, who wears the cutest shorts, which I overheard him say were tailored. Or when I was five, there was the dad, I think his name was Roger, of my neighbor I'd play house with until my mom caught us humping. But really, I could give her a long list of Rogers. Roger, who never reciprocated my love when I was 15. 
Roger, who on our second date burped all of sexy back. Roger, who stole my money so he could buy me underwear. There was Roger with the engagement ring that he threw at my head. There was Roger with his fondness for spanking. Roger with his missing tooth. Roger with his fake front tooth. One Roger told me, you're not really a feminist. Another Roger asked, are you really a feminist? And Roger from New York who said, you don't seem bitter enough to be a feminist. I could tell her about all the pretty Rogers, the first Roger I married or the second Roger. I could tell her about the Rogers I don't want to remember, the ones that taught me I should only live on a second floor. When she asks me, who is Roger? Because in a text I wrote Roger, because she is new to the US, I smile and tell her about truckers and lingo and don't tell her how when I see the small scar on her nose, all the Rogers peel away like dead skin. I think Kevin that asked, Kevin can't play this game because oh. okay. Kevin, wait, we're we're asking yeah. Kevin's game and now he can't play. Kevin can't play. <laughs> oh wow, I'm I'm at a disadvantage now. Uh, so what I am guessing is that there none of them are named Roger. Well, yes, yes, but. The, the all the feminist comments happened. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, you, you don't, I mean, this is like from my own biases, but like you don't lose betting against the intelligence of heterosexual guys. I'm just saying that that's kind of a bigoted thing for me to say, but as a hetero guy, I mean, I look in the mirror and I know how, how many dumb things I've done over my 50 years. Yeah, so I I totally think yes. Uh, the second floor thing, I didn't quite understand why they were saying it, but I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm kind of putting my own biases in there, and that he's worried for your safety or something. Um, there there was a Roger who was really young. That might have been the one Roger that was real. So I it, it, and wouldn't it be funny if they all really were named Roger? you'd run screaming for the next Roger you ran into. I really do have a yoga teacher who does wear the cutest shorts, um, whose name is Roger. Uh, and there was, and I, and I think there was a dad named Roger when I was a kid. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'd play house with uh roger's child until i figured that was true yeah, that was true until my mom caught us something that was fun um when i think we were like five but it, it i think you know of course they weren't all named roger though i wish they were because <laughs> that's a metaphor <laughs> Well, yeah. What is the what is the metaphor? What does Roger but, mean now? But like that, I think the it's, no one ever burped all of sexy back. That's my imagination. Do I wish someone would have done that? Yes. That's just your sick humor. <laughs> I just assumed that was a diss at Justin Timberlake. That's what I expected. No. Oh, you know what? No disses to Justin Timberlake. I, okay. You know, I'm not up to date with Justin Timberlake. I'm just a total, mainly a book nerd. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what Justin Timberlake's been doing. But I like to dance nerdy to his music for sure. Okay, I just figured he's getting sexy back. You're burping it. If someone could burp all of sexy back, honestly, I would be impressed. Would you be yeah. impressed by that, Kevin? I I'd be impressed if anyone could just like sing the song with all of the words without, you know, looking them up or whatever. I, I'm wondering if like someone burping sexy back is a Lovecraftian monster. Like, <laughs> well, what what what's sexy? Like everything in the world that's sexy. No, the song "Sexy Back" just bur burped the entire song back. 
even that's kind of like a skill. That's that is kind of impressive if they were able to do that. I would go on a second date with that person. Would you, Kevin? No, I think yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm wow. Uh, it, no, it would depend. I would probably make sure to walk them home and make sure they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, would they go on a sex and second? Well, I am kind of uh, you know taken at the moment, so no, I wouldn't have gone on the first. Well, okay, I, yeah, but yeah. I, I am too. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm yeah, of course. Prudish, okay, yeah. I know it's I'm it's metaphorical. Prudish. We're just joking. So yeah, maybe I'm prudish, but I think I would like n- not want someone to burp a song to me until like the third or fourth date. Mm-hmm. Third or fourth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Now that poem, that poem, Roger, that stems from your use of the word Roger when you're texting with somebody. Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. CB talk or whatever it is, like when people say, like, Roger, Roger that. Well, I treat the phone like a (laughs) walkie-talkie. I don't know if you two do this or anyone anyone in the audience. Um, And I didn't didn't have a, I don't, is my phone smart? A, a, A smartphone? I have an Android until like, a few years ago, I had a flip phone and I actually never texted. So I'm I'm newer, still new to the world of texting and learning this is there is still learning. There is a whole etiquette. I just discovered a whole array of emojis I didn't know existed on my <laughs> Android. So I treat it like a walkie-talkie and I like to write Roger in response to people's texts, which can confuse some people. Yeah. So I'm going to tell our listeners out there so they're not confused. Uh, Chris Toby, poet, uh, will text you Roger if you are in contact with her. Kevin Samsel is also here on the uh, internet and uh, do not burp sexy back at him. <laughs> will not appreciate it. And I'm your host, Patrick Bocard. I uh, don't have any more information about myself. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to talk about, well, we did talk about collages a little bit. Um, do either of you want to read a poem right now or? No? Kevin, <laughs> read a poem, Kevin. A poem. Read a poem from your uh, book about peeing your pants. From what? Your book about peeing your pants. Oh, yeah, that's unpublished, so I can't read it. <laughs> is, that the, is that the novel? No, there is no I such made, thing. I there made an accident. I made an accident. Oh yeah. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Really? Okay, I didn't. I didn't even. Wow, I didn't even know that was that bad. All right. Well, um, to clear things up about this hairdresser uh, poem mention, I will read the poem so that um, so that it gives more um, clarity. Please do. Uh, yes. Uh, It is called, Can't Remember How Old I Am. I learned from a social networking site that I'm actually a year older than I thought. I'd been telling people the wrong number all year. The last time I got my hair cut, I told the hairdresser that my hair was, quote, at a crossroads. She took me to the back and sat me down. She took her time with me with the scissors, the buzzing hand. I moved my eyes to see her arms moving around me. They were lean and hairy. I thought it was my hair at first, but it wasn't, it was her arm's hair. I saw a photo next to the mirror I stared into. It was her and a man, maybe her husband. I thought he was lucky. After she whipped the bib off me, removed the the thin tissue circling my neck. I got up from the big chair and slid on my glasses, saw myself come into focus. She saved my life, I thought. She saved my hair's life, I thought. What am I pretending to be? (laughs) That's kind of a deep 
ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you get older and you're just like, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Like, how many, uh, you know, what do all these years mean? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> no. why I don't go to a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> you can start thinking about these things. I just let I just let my hair grow out. <laughs> but no, it was a life changing uh, experience because I used to slick my hair back. I well, not slick it back, but it would be yeah. back. You know, and and my hair now the radio listeners can't see, but my hair now, if I tried to slick it back, it just kind of stands up and it looks like a crazy like faux hawk thing so but, but if they go to uh kev your web page kevinsamsel.com i believe they'll yeah. be able to see a photo of you with your hair yeah my hair is fine i yeah. mean it, it, it bothers me it, and every, every day of my life i think about my hair and how how it looks and how bad it looks and how embarrassed i am but, but uh it's fine dude i mean it, it looks good right now i yeah I have a love-hate relationship with my hair. Okay. But I think our society put, I mean, that's a whole, you know, part of the Western beauty standard. Our society puts so much focus on hair. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some, some poets are starting to write about it. Uh, my friend, the great poet, whom I adore, Armine Ignadosian, an LA poet, has started writing about this, this, this focus and this pressure to have the thickest, best hair, and that it's so taboo to talk about hair loss, um, even more so for women. Um, yeah. So write about it, Kevin. <laughs> no, I, was I said something the other day. I think on Twitter, I said, like, I, I'm, I'm thinking about becoming a hat guy. Like what, what kind of hat should I, should I wear if I become a hat guy? Just, I mean, mainly just to kind of see what people would say, like, you know, the different kinds of hats that I could choose from. Um, but I don't think I can be a hat guy because I've never really been a hat guy, but I have thought about it because like, um, you know, it just seems like an easy way to kind of cover up something that you don't have to worry then you won't have to worry about it so i have an idea what if you just walk around with your cat season on your head that would be nice too she she uh, she does love being up high but she, she would not sit still you couldn't train her no <laughs> she's, a, she's a cat that doesn't <laughs> <laughs> she's a cat not a hat yeah <laughs> yes she, the cat's are not really that trainable. They kind of, they train you. You can yeah. end up with some wounds. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I get wounds from her already just from like random playtime, you know, res wrestling and stuff, you know, just little scratches and stuff. Okay. So uh, speaking of, you know, these muses, have you written a poem about Susan? Um... That's a really good question, actually. I don't know if I have. Um, that that might be something that I should do. Susan is my cat for people who don't who don't. Oh know. yes, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, she's a beautiful cat, and I got her uh, actually in January of 2020. So, um, and she's about four years old now, coming up on her fourth birthday. Uh, so, yep. But I do love her. She's and she's a big focus on my social media stuff. So, and and she has a fan club. People love people love Susan. So, <laughs> but I should write a poem about her for sure. Yeah, I wrote. I actually I could. I wrote a poem about my old man cat. Do you remember oh. that, Kevin? Uh huh. Yeah. Give okay. me some feedback on on that one. You yeah. That one. Um, it was in lockdown mm -hmm. and my old man cat was I was losing my old man cat mm. Seven, 17 years he lived, wow. a, lived a good life and what happened to that poem um another cat ate it oh 
that so? It was uh, it was published in uh, New Ohio Review. Oh yeah. Well, can you read it? Sure. Will you give us the pleasure of I listening will. to your cat poem? <laughs> I think. But I'll only read it if you promise me that you'll write a poem about Susan. I will. I have written other stuff about cats. You have, have one week. Yeah, okay. I have a I have written uh, a couple of short stories that feature cats. Um there's an old short story of mine called I Heart Frankenstein and it's about a cat. Um and I feel like there's another story of mine that's about a cat that lived next door to the narrator and it keeps sneaking through this hole in the wall to like see the narrator and then it starts talking to the narrator so it's like a talking cat (laughs) gotta love a talking cat yeah no it's the whole genre isn't it patrick do you have uh cats or dogs Oh yeah, I sorry. I told Kevin earlier on before you were on. Uh, I have a uh, a Siamese cat who uh, howled downstairs for a minute, and I have a uh, well, we have a uh, Siamese cat Leo, and we also have Skoog, who is a tuxedo cat who has not decided to join us. But I would have thought she would have jumped up on the thing. She likes to join any kind of meeting, especially when my wife is working from home. Yeah, sure. They yeah. love that. And uh, they have appeared in some of my work. And I actually, um, so it wasn't during COVID, but uh, I did finish a first draft of a supernatural memoir where I pass away and I am in something that's kind of like hell or heaven, but it's basically run by cats. And my old cats that I used to have show up and taught me. That's brilliant. Uh, I don't know. If you read it, you might not think that. So I probably shouldn't even be talking about it because it needs, like everything else I write that's fiction, it needs a lot of rewrites. Anyway, that's great. That's great. Let, let's hear from your cat poem. Well, first, but first of all, Patrick, is your cat Skoog named after Ed Skoog? No. I did no. wonder that. We didn't name her that. They're both kind of... Uh, we adopted Skoog like a while ago. Um, and Skoog basically means Norwegian forest cat, I believe. And it was from someone who was from the Midwest and Scandinavian hmm. and had to give up her cat. It was through Pixie Project. We got Leo through Pixie Project as well. His old, his old owner passed away and we thought he'd be a good companion for Skoog, which is weird because he kind of does chase her around a little bit, but they do get along. <laughs> and she's kind of she's she's actually happy because Leo being Siamese is loud enough to wake us up in the middle of the night so they both get fed. Uh that's yeah. uh, I got Susan from Pixie Project as well. Yeah, they're they're really good organization. Yeah. yeah. They have good cats there. Yeah, they have good cats, they have good people taking care of the cats. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's hear your cat poem. Who's your cat named after, Chris? In my poem? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's a name in my poem for my own cat, but uh, I will tell you my imaginary goat's name is Kevin. Of course. <laughs> acting out, I I like to lock him in the bathroom. They're named after Kevin Bacon. I'm not going to feed you anything, Kevin Samsel. <laughs> <laughs> all right well okay read your read your poem lady all right <clears throat> and by the way this is my dog in the background you can't see if you're listening but we're talking so much about cats i my dog and i clementine it's my longest relationship we other than my old man cat uh we just celebrated this weekend this past weekend our 10 year anniversary together. 
mm-hmm. my dog of 10 years. Okay. Some kind of palace. My old man cat is unfortunately getting old. Kidneys failing, asthma, arthritis, a tongue that won't go back inside his mouth. Seizures, the last one made me think he was a goner. But then he blinked and hobbled around me in circles, pretty disoriented. My old man cat has started eating books, and this may be due to the fact that I've had my old man cat for 17 years, so maybe he's tired of watching me read when I could be doing better things, like waving his fake mouse around or napping. I got my old man cat in my 20s when he was not old, And because my mind was not fully developed, I thought I would not age and therefore he would never die. My 40s seemed like an obscure foreign film I'd pretend I'd watched when someone asked me at a party. My old man cat yells a lot. I think he may be upset I'm not more motivated, upset I didn't turn him into an Instagram star. He probably overheard my friend's 10-year-old Nico say, You could make so much money. We need to make t-shirts and memes and calendars. Nico had big plans. You could be a millionaire. This This probably pissed off my old man cat, which is understandable. Imagine all the turkey treats I could buy him. Maybe even a deluxe litter box that looks like some kind of palace that cleans itself. My old man cat's favorite time to yell at me is at night, particularly when I'm falling asleep. At first, I thought he was senile, but lately I'm starting to see he may have some points, such as, I don't know why you got rid of your Spotify, or I miss that lady who would always feed me chicken. However, I question whether this is dementia since I still have Apple Music. But the other evening, I heard him say, You've moved 13 times in 13 years. What are you afraid of? Maybe I misheard him. I don't know. My old man cat is smart, yet I'm unsure if he is wise. But last night, as I smushed my forehead in my pillow and my eyes started to close, he began eating my hair. And I swear he whispered, love yourself. No. I really like that poem. I like the part about how you felt like you were you weren't fully formed in your twenties, and you thought he would ne- you would never age, and he would never die. Mm. And I get that. Yeah, and, do you remember feeling that? Yeah, and then the the cat, you know the the cat eating your hair. Scoog eats my hair. She'll like come up behind me on the pillow and start chowing down on it. You know, it's kind of. And one time I stopped her, and she slapped me. <laughs> like it's mine yeah it's totally hers yes oh mm-hmm. I almost think that would be the best we are about done that is like the best way to end with this beautiful cat poem that was great dear listeners you've been listening to Kevin Samsel and Chris Toby uh, Kevin Samsel uh, I'm he made an accident. His his book is I Made an Accident of Collages and Poetry. And he has several other books out. And hopefully that novel will get published that we keep hearing about. I know. I'm just going yeah. on about it. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that, that, yeah, Chris Toby, you know, wonderful poetry. And uh, a woman is a woman is a woman is available at bookstores. And uh, your website has uh, other uh, poems that have been published and links to the, the magazines they're in and uh, you have uh, workshops coming up at uh, PCC as well so thanks to everyone you've been listening to Talking Earth this is KBO Portland everyone have a great night thank you thanks Patrick thank you
You're tuned in to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming on the web at kboo.fm. Do you love music but don't have the energy to find new stuff? Can't decide whether you want to hear indie rock or hip-hop, electronic music or singer-songwriters? Then tune into Another Late Night every first Saturday at 3 a.m. only on KBOO Community Radio. Or stream online at kboo.fm slash another late night, where we've got it all. This is Community Radio for the Northwest. KBOO Portland. Coming up at midnight. Self help.